Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. little gap there. Nice. Not too bad. Welcome to Cellar Dwellers Home Winemaking Talkcast with Dave Nelson and the other guy. Hey there, other guy. For the first time in like this whole year, we're actually doing shows sort of on as, time. As we said we would. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. We're not, well, we're not on time tonight. It's 9.08, but we are on time well, that, on the calendar. At least. That's early for us. In a geologic sense, we're, we're right there. <laughs> we are right there, baby. Hey, wait a minute. Two things. First of all, did we, ever, did we ever give credit to the folks that did that intro music, which is also our out music, too? Oh, you're totally putting me on the spot now. Oh, I know. I, I mean, so it's, I it's look a year and a half ago we got this, but... It's just sort of a cool little funky group that you downloaded from I don't know where, free from somewhere. But I know, but, but we—I don't think we've ever given them any recognition, which I think we should, being a musician. I think it's Uma or Ulma. We're we're gonna have to look that up during the show because uh, we're now recording here, and uh, while recording, I cannot look up ah. the artist's name. Aha! But if we'd planned ahead of time, <laughs> we could have. <laughs> You know what, this is going to be a really cool show, though, because tonight the theme is our top ten, five from the passionate one and five from the numbers guy, our top ten best winemaking tips that we have collected over years and years, but not just the obvious tips. These are going to be our top ten a little less obvious, unobvious tips. Now, wait a minute. You're the numbers guy, but you get five and I get five. Is that even? I think that is even. <laughs> Because that I means you're probably going to get eight and I'm going to get right, two. Right, right, right. That's because I'm controlling the microphone. In fact, let's just shut him off right now. <laughs> He's gone. I'm loving this show. Now, this is going to be a really fun one because uh, no, it there will be, be good tips. And, and we have not compared notes ahead of time. So I don't know what you're going to say. You don't know what I'm going to say. And, we may and, contradict each other as usual. But, you know, just speaking uh, sort of pre-show, although it may have been recorded, with Mark from Washington – he had a great question. He's out in one of the one of the premier wine growing regions, really in the world. I mean, Washington grows some fabulous wines. Grapes make some fabulous wines, and so he has access to grapes. Certainly, a lot easier and uh, larger variety than we do here in Pittsburgh, and and yet he has a very good question about that process, and that happens to be one of my less obvious tips. All right, so um, Mark, I know you're out there. Uh, we'll um, Actually, we'll just mute you for right now, but we'll bring you back on the show here I told uh, you, Mark, shortly. I don't have control over yeah, this. Yeah, he doesn't have control, but uh, welcome uh, to guest number two, guest number three. <laughs> uh, Matt is on, uh, Bike and Fool, uh, G. Pampa, uh, who we haven't seen in a while. I understand he's yeah. been traveling just back from Berlin. Um, Ooh. Hawk is with us tonight. Uh, Merlin McCarthy, or McCarley, sorry, Merlin McCarley. 
It wouldn't be the first time I butchered somebody's name. But, uh, <laughs> hey, considering how sporadic we have been with these shows, it's just really cool to be back on the air. And I am, like, totally psyched. But we haven't even introduced ourselves yet. I am... Dave Nelson, I'm the numbers guy. And in control of the buttons. And you are... The other guy. The passionate one. Not in control of the buttons. <laughs> not in control of much. No. no, not much. And who the heck are we? We are... We're the cellar dwellers, and we come to you typically... Oh, well, it always used to be Tuesday nights, but now we're on Monday nights at 9 o'clock because... Somebody's commuting to the Valley of the Sun. That's right. I see you working you on your that? tan. You're looking good. Commuting to Phoenix from Pittsburgh, 2,500-mile commute, but it's, it's working so Not far. so bad. Hey, you know what? We've got two uh, sort of current topics. I want to talk about, well, just a little beef about taxes for a second. It oh. is April 14th of 2008. Oh, don't ruin this good one. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, oh, listen, listen. Oh, I'm hurting. I mean, okay, let me just ask you a simple question. Long-term capital gains rate. If you are an investor in the stock market, of course you know the long-term capital gains rate. It is. It used to be 20%, but Bush came in and he cut it down to? 18. Well, in 15. theory, 15. But it's really not. It's not at all. Right. Okay, so, you know, I, I was doing my taxes on TurboTax. And you do your own taxes? Uh, believe it or you not, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the like numbers this, guy. And you do your own taxes? I'm the numbers guy. That I scares want the to, crap out of it, me. It, it should. You know, 55,000 pages. Mr. Nelson, are you in there? <laughs> right, exactly. Come out with your hands up. Uh, actually, the let me send you down to my accountant, the other guy, to <laughs> explain it all. <laughs> okay, but, but. I, I'm, I'm entering, I've, I've got all my data into TurboTax. I love TurboTax. I love software. I'm a tech guy, right? Even though I don't know quite what it's doing. And <laughs> I, start, I start paying attention to this minor detail. I, enter, I was entering my capital gains last. I know we're going to talk about this spectacular wine, one of my oh, favorite wines oh, on the planet. This is incredible. We'll get there in a minute. Um, I, I'm entering my capital gains last, and I put in a capital gain. And TurboTax has this wonderful feature in the upper left-hand corner of the screen. It shows you exactly how much taxes you owe based on what you've entered into the software at that point at in that time. Point. Oh, wow. Completely dynamic. And oh, so I, man, I'd be... I'd be sick every well, minute. Well, anyway. I put in a number, and the taxes are rising far more quickly than <laughs> I would expect. Because capital gains, everybody knows, long-term capital gains, 15%. I'm talking things I've owned two or five or whatever years. Well, what, what is what is the, the time limit on short and long-term? Um, I think there's, I, I believe, now again, I'm trusting the software to do this for me, but I think there are actually three levels at the moment. There's a short term, which is 12 months or less, in which case, right. by the way, welcome to the Cellar Dwellers Tax Consultant Show. How did we go from Grayson? Uh, no, I, I have a major you have beef, a beef here. Well, I'm, I'm sick of In fact, the, the fundamental core of my beef is the government is busting corporations for being, you know, slightly misleading about their numbers or trying to, you know, price stock options at the lowest, lowest point in the quarter or whatever. And so they've created this thing called Sarbanes-Oxley that according to St Scott McNeely, who runs Sun Microsystems, or did a, 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 it's buckets of sand in the gears of industry. The government, Oof. the least efficient organization of human On beings that we have created, right, right. has told us through this thing called Sarbanes-Oxley how to run at least our public corporations. And it's all about you know this incredible transparency and credibility. And they're telling us at the same time, you're paying 15% capital gains. But here's the bottom line. If you have, uh, you know, I didn't make like a ton of money this year. I'm working in a startup. I'm not taking an exorbitant salary. So 
my adjusted gross income, frankly, is it's above 100000 but below 200000 This is not, I mean, there's probably a lot of people in this, this sort of space, and so I'm entering the last few capital gains, and I'm noticing that the numbers are rising, you know, it's not 15%. More than, more than your intuition and tells And so just you. for the fun of it, I decided I'd plug in a $1,000 capital gain. Just made it up. I want to put in the software. I'm going to delete it in a second, but I want mm-hmm. to see what happens. Mm-hmm. My taxes, when I plug in a $1,000 capital gains, uh, rose by... Two hundred and fifteen dollars, twenty-one point five percent. Now, what the heck is this? I'm thinking there's a software error here. These guys at TurboTax Intuit have totally screwed things up. But no, there is this little thing called alternative minimum tax, which is now affecting more than a quarter of us middle-class taxpayers. I know there's some people out there, you know, auto workers who are, are struggling with their displaced jobs to Mexico. Who have no sympathy since I already admit I'm over a hundred thousand AGI, but but my taxes are, yes, it's 15% capital gains, but then for each dollar I'm putting in, they're tacking on an extra 6.5% for this AMT thing. This is totally um, outrageous, misrepresenting. Uh, we've all been led to believe that, that capital gains is 15%. And indeed, there are certain ranges at very low levels or very high levels where that's true. But if you're a middle-class person, and you got a capital gain, long-term capital gain, you know, at least my math shows we're at 21.5%, which is a lot different than the story I had ever been led to believe. So this was just... Uh, yeah, well, I could go on and on about that alternative minimum tax. Uh, AMT. That, that, that is a well-kept secret. That was designed, by the way about two decades ago to catch some fat cats who were buying, you know, tax-free corporate bonds and making sure they paid their fair share. And now, I think because it's never been indexed for inflation, we're going on way too long about this, but I am just a little bit outraged that I have been sold a bill of goods by my government, which is forcing corporations to, you know, be completely transparent and open in their disclosures. What? Drum roll, please. What? You, am, am I wrong been, here on this? You've been sold a bill of goods. <laughs> oh, that's an idiom alert. That is the idiom alert. Ah, wait, wait, we've got to play the idiom alert theme. The numbers guide shall now consult thine holy book of idioms. Okay, now I'm going to, um, it's going to take me a second to look this up. So you've got the website I've got, over there. You don't need to look it up. No, no, I'm going to I'm gonna go to the Marvin Terabad, excuse me. I'm, oh, Marvin but, what does your internet say no. over there, passionate one? No, <laughs> let me let me where tell you. The bill of goods. <laughs> okay, where does the bill of goods expression come from? Well, it comes from the 1932 Democratic <laughs> Convention. I oh, I'm buying this. Yes, where they the uh, a group of the high power Democrats, including FDR, were at lunch. At lunch. At lunch. Okay. And the bill came. <laughs> okay. The bill came. The Democrats. Uh, this must have been there like... There was a... champagne and lobster. Okay. And sh- I mean, you could imagine. I mean, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's only a few years after the, the Great Depression. But, but FDR <laughs> was known for... He's not picking up the tab. So he's saying, you know, Louis, you owe this much. Henry, you owe that much. And, 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 it, and it was adding up to more than what the total... Bill was, and they Very said, you're selling us a bill of goods, Franklin. I like it. So that's what your website That says. is where the expression, selling you a bill of goods. All right, comes well, from. I'm going to the, the idiom Bible. 
Bible. This is uh, Marvin Terban, the Dictionary of Id- Idioms, more than 600 phrases. And uh, By the way, his, his cousin, uh, Marvin Contraband, is still <laughs> in jail. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bill of Goods. Oh, you were close. It originates from the 1930s when we first started using yes. commercial fertilizers, which when they ran off the fields into the water caused, caused algae blooms. The algae blooms would kill off or would deplete the oxygen in a river, lake, or even some areas of the ocean and kill thousands of fish. The pelicans in the area would see these fish not knowing they're dead from oxygen depletion, and they would swoop down and fill their bills with dead fish. Now, the expression was not originally bill of goods, uh, but it evolved to that over time. A bill full of goods, goods being a uh, uh, euphemism for dead fish, became a bill of goods. And when you were sold a bucket of dead fish, something other than you thought it was, you were sold a bill of goods. So there you go. That's Marvin's uh, 1930s origination you know, for the expression. This reminds me of another idiom, blowing smoke <laughs> up your... <laughs> <laughs> so any listeners that... Um, if anyone really knows where... Dying either. <laughs> we obviously don't have a clue. No, we definitely oh, don't. We, we weren't at the last minute here able to figure out where the bill of goods came from, but there you go. There's our We've best attempt. attempted to sell you. Yes, sell you the bill of goods. the the first time we actually lived the, the idiom, idiom right. on, live on air. There you go. What are we drinking tonight? This is, this, I have to say, this is a fabulous wine, and I know it's one of your favorites. Okay. And, and we, and we really talked to folks two weeks ago, and you could get the, the little bit cheaper version, because Dave kind of got the crowbar out and cranked open that <laughs> wallet, <laughs> and this is delicious. Yeah, this never would have come from um, your side of the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wouldn't. I'm the $12 vendor guy. Exactly. But uh, this is uh, Bolu Vineyard uh, BV since 1900, and uh, they have several different grades. Wait, they've of... been around since 1900? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, BV's been around a long time. Uh, George de la Tour, George way back de when. George And um, uh, they have several different grades of Cabernet. Um, their uh, their entry level is it is it coastal? I think that's what it is. I they, think coastal, coastal. That's the least expensive. I'd right, say. and then there's a second grade. This this uh, Rutherford is the third uh, level up, and then um, I don't know if there's a fourth, but the very top is the George de la Tour Private Reserve, and um, I can't remember exactly what this bottle sent me back, but it's more or less uh, twenty five dollars that kind of range, maybe twenty eight. But wow, what amazing wonderful. And, and what what year is this that we're this we're is two thousand five? So it's so pretty, pretty new. Pretty new. That, we get the fresh stuff here in Pennsylvania. That, that, I mean, <laughs> it is it is. Uh, I think it will even uh, become a little more complex with time, but it's still so silky off the palate, but yet has nice tan and such a beautiful balance. But let me ask you this: What does the Rutherford? Um, what is that? Is that is that a specific vineyard within BV, or what is the significance of that? Do you know offhand, or how how do they? I mean, obviously, if it says coastal, it's just whatever grapes are left over, cab grapes are making a wine, but I don't know if that's the name of a specific vineyard that, you know, this wine always comes from. It doesn't, you know, it really doesn't say. I I think it's just the 
you know, the a designation of a particular grade that they're aiming for. They do say... So they just named that grade. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, well. Because at least as they describe it here on the bottle, um, it's uh, um, all they say really. And this I like this when they give you the clues because I, I can now taste these things. Black cherry, crushed blackberry, licorice. I'm getting major... Well, I won't say major, but a distinct. Mm, it's more distinct subtle. The blackberry is there yep. for sure. And uh, cocoa, accented by hints of violet. You know, I dated a violet, in- <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not getting a hint of that at all. No, you weren't getting a hint back then either. <laughs> no, no, no. I had a better chance with licorice. What did uh, you? <laughs> man, oh, you depleted your supply. Well, I only gave myself a taste. Oh, right. right, 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 right. So we're not sure about the Rutherford. If anyone out there from California you can give us some insight, we desperately need it. Yeah, welcome guest number four, and I see Bike and Fool and Hawk are Bike on. Bike and Fool, <clears throat> Along love with it. Jerry yeah, and Mark. Well, let's getting see. to be biking season. It is um, at least out east here. Almost. I am looking forward to getting out there biking. I've been putting the top down in the convertible and driving around, and it's even been, when it's forty degrees. But you got to do it here in Pittsburgh. You do. Uh, when you get a sunny day, it matters not the temperature you put on those seat warmers, which in that uh, BMW mm. C3 are really, really effective, and they're quick too. Oh, they, they are. They heat up quick. It's a cool. lot of fun. Okay, so uh, I see Scott has joined us also. We'll we'll unmute some callers here in a minute. Uh, but uh, we do have to remind people, as we're 17 minutes into the show, just trying to get started here, the more you drink, the, the better, better we, we sound. Exactly. Unless, of course, don't drink if... What? You're, <laughs> you're a conservative in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need... And have we need, long-term capital gains. <laughs> we need the conservatives to say, stay you're, sober here. You're screwed. Oh, man. Oh, baby. Uh, we are in the, the throes of Hillary and oh. uh, Obama. And this is becoming, I won't say a swing state, but more significant than it typically is well, in the primary. Yeah, we're right? like way, way, way late here, four oh, months in the primary. I don't understand season. that process. We have pretty to have much a show on that. Every other state is voted. and um, I can't even vote for the people I want to. Yeah, They're Merlin says Hillbama. I don't see it happening. Hillbama. I don't see that happening. Oh. I, I actually uh, could see Hillary if she pulls ahead, which I think is a long, long, long shot, reaching out to Obama as a way to try to close the gap and reconcile the schism that has occurred here in, in the Democratic Party. I do not see the reverse happening at all. Obama is going to cut and run, leave the Clintons behind, and do his own thing with his own people. So hmm. uh, anyway, it is exciting, even being a Republican, a sober Republican, well, or a formerly sober well, that's, Republican. That's why I drink. <laughs> to be in the heart of the action. You oh, know, we're the, seeing the candidates and it all matters. You know what? Wine sales have got to go up given this, this election year. Oh, good God. Oh, so it's all it's oh. another government scam given that the government uh, runs wine sales. So you conservatives in Pennsylvania, stay sober, please. Try to anyway. <laughs> God ah, bless yeah, you. Yeah. All right, so should anyway, we jump right into the, the cause celeb for the show tonight? Let's, um, okay, let's well, do it. Let's get to it. Let's we're get already, to it. People we're already complain. Half an hour and we Sometimes don't get, we yak too long or we go off the... Can you, you know, believe people have emailed us and said we go off on tangents? I can't believe it. It's shocking to me. I have never been on a tangent. <laughs> 
I've been on a cruise and, an air, one, and a flight, no. but I've never been on a tangent. What the hell is a tangent? What was that blowing smoke thing you were talking about a few minutes ago or <laughs> something sunshine up my skirt? <laughs> yeah, we go off on tangents. We invented tangent. All right. Do you want to lead off our top ten? I would love to. All right. Let's uh, now introduce should, what we're going to be talking. Should about. I bring Mark on as a way to get going here, or is he on your number two or number three? I mean, well, actually, Mark actually hit my number one. Okay. It, it's obvious, but it's less than obvious. Tip. By the way, if you've just joined us, we are going to Dave and I are each going to give our five top unobvious or less obvious tips in home winemaking. Um, that, you know, there's some obvious ones that we were going to run through, but let's go a little less obvious to uh, get to sort of more of the nuances of, of this great hobby. Okay. And, and, and pre-show, Mark from uh, Washington, we were just getting into a little bit of a conversation, and uh, why don't we unmute right, Mark so let's, and, uh, and have him tell us what he, what he mentioned. Let's bring Mark onto the air here. Hey, Mark, welcome back to the show, and this is our top ten unobvious tips. And uh, the passionate one and I have not compared notes here, and I was not listening when you were talking to him. So start us off here. What were you talking to the other guy about? Okay. Uh, well, I am a home winemaker from Washington, and uh, being where I'm at, we have access to quite a few great vineyards, and a lot of the vineyards will sell directly to us, the home winemakers. Or there's places around that uh, will go buy, uh, get, get a truckload from the vineyards and then sell them out in a couple hundred pound increments. Uh, the problem is I don't know if I'm getting good grapes. Because I usually go to one of these wine stores grapes himself. I don't know if I'm getting the good grapes. Okay, you so know, maybe you know, Mark, getting good grapes, maybe, maybe not. Mark, what, what are, how are you um, talking to us? Because you are cutting in and out. I don't know if it's your if it's. I'm Skype guessing or it's your... voice over IP technology of some sort. Okay. Oh, it's actually just uh, plugged into my computer. Oh, okay. Okay, you are using your computer to talk to us, though. Yes. All okay. right. Well, we're getting a little choppiness, but I think we're getting the gist of the question. Yeah. So, so you're 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 getting grapes. You just can't assess the quality. Yeah, correct. Well, I think part of the issue is I'm I've only been doing this 3 years and so I don't know what a good grape tastes like. Ah. Now you just hit my number one less obvious tip. All right. What's your number one my no- the passionate one's number one unobvious tip about winemaking? It is tasting your grapes because Mark, I mean, you have you. I got to tell you, buddy, you've got a huge advantage over a lot of us, or most of us, probably, in that you have access to, first of all, certain terms of freshness from the no, time of you're picking. You're right there. You're, you're I mean, right there. Washington, Oregon, California. You guys oh, are the boy. lucky ones. I mean, we we're fortunate that we have a great broker in Cleveland, Carl. We've talked about him, Carl, the wine guy. But uh, the best we can do is they harvest the grapes. They throw so many pallet loads of of different types onto a refrigerated truck. The guy drives, you know, three days to, to Cleveland, and we drive up to Cleveland and get them. So you've got a huge advantage. But my less obvious tip is tasting the grapes. The obvious ones are you can take a spectrometer and measure the um, sugar content, um, which is actually quite accurate, you know, to see what type of sugar content. Absolutely, you, you want to be in that twenty-two and a half to twenty-four and a half percent sugar or bricks, as they call it. But that would be an obvious one. What That's, is it about tasting the grapes that somebody should be looking for to know whether they've got good grapes or bad grapes? Well, and you know, and I, I would certainly wouldn't consider myself an expert, but if you 
the one advantage we have through a broker is there is probably what, Dave? There's got to be – it's incredible for this little place, this little alley almost in Cleveland. He's got to have about 20 different varieties or more of grapes there. So I don't have the best palate in the world, but I'll go around and taste almost all of them. And it will become obvious the ones that have the right sugar content, the ones that have a fruitiness to them at that at that stage. They've just been basically just been harvested, and you can you can taste some that have uh, way too much tannins. The sugar content's too low. You can taste some that the sugar content's off the chart, even without using some equipment like a spectrometer to measure it. So um, uh, look at the grapes. Um, look at the look at the consistency of them. Look at the size of them. If you know what a size of a Cabernet should be, what a Pinot Noir should be, a Syrah Don't should be. Don't get one that's too plump and too full plump. of water. And they, they, got, and they, got wa- they got rain and they didn't harvest soon enough. They're, they're way filled up with water. Uh, they're, they're way too plump. So look at the grapes and taste the grapes. Uh, all I can tell you is that, I, I, and I'll get your opinion on this, Dave, but tasting them, there will be there will be an intensity to the sugar and an intensity to the fruitiness. Now, how that will play out, the fruitiness will play out down the road, that's sort of the magic of winemaking. You're never completely sure, but if you start with those couple of things, just in the simple, just pluck some. I mean, people were standing around, I probably eat, you know, a quarter or half a pound of grapes just tasting them while I'm waiting to get my grapes, you know, that we ordered. So, um I would definitely do that if you have that opportunity, and you must out there in Washington. My goodness, what Dave? What do you what do you look for when when less obvious things other than just measuring specifically sugar level? Well, it's really interesting you brought up this topic because this was not one on my list. Uh, oh, but this is where it all starts. It, it does start there, and in fact, I was going to say you know an example of an obvious tip which doesn't qualify for our top 10 list was buy the best grapes you can get your hands on. But what does right? that mean, right? Well, I, and I think that's where you're getting to the less obvious part. So um, it would be, you know, to me, obvious to deal with the best supplier you can and to pay for the highest quality grapes that, you know, you, you can pay for. And for us, that's usually a buck 25 or buck 50 a pound. I mean, it's not like you're breaking the bank on these things. Uh, but that's sort of the obvious. I think your your whole focus here on tasting, um, I, I, I'm going to take a little different twist on it. I feel like I've been able to develop a much better palate for being able to taste, say, a Zinfandel grape from the time that it is a grape through fermenting, you know, step by step, day by day, all the way to when it is fully fermented and then as it ages. And so I, I take a little different twist, and this wasn't where I was going to go with one of my, you know, top five tips, but I will say as a winemaker, being able to taste from the grape to the wine is part of the, the thrill and fun of it. I do go back to being a numbers guy a little bit more about, you know, checking the refractometer to measure the sugar level. I like the idea of breaking the some some berries and, and measuring the acidity or pH level so you know whether you're in the right ballpark there before you walk off the lot. And, of course, if you see anything that represents sort of moldy or shriveling, you know, unless you're looking for that botrytis kind of thing. Right. Um, I, so I think you are on the right track, although it will take a lot of um, practice, although this is a fun thing to practice on, to be able to really taste grapes and judge whether is this going to give me a good a good wine product, but well, I, yeah. I like your general direction yeah. here on number one. And, and I don't I don't have a definitive way of describing what. Now you you mentioned you like to 
taste the like just for example Zinfandel grape through the process but if you had six Zinfandel grapes to pick from from a broker how do you pick the best one outside of measuring getting your if most ideal measure anything, sugar content right then i'm going to be i'm going to be tasting for is it sufficiently sweet and maybe not too much um, has fermentation started or not? Is That's a big one because sometimes it yeah. has started. Exactly. And we're going to get to, this is leading to one of my ah, top five tips. Ah, very good. Uh, you don't necessarily want your fermentation to be you know, running away with you. Uh, you certainly don't want any mold, uh, shriveling. Um, I'm even going to feel the grapes to make sure they're nice and firm and maybe cold if they've been shipped cross-country. So I, I think the focus on the grapes is is the right one, whether you're sort of numerically oriented or, or more spiritually oriented as apparently you are. Well, I don't know. Tasting is spiritual. Oh, it's very spiritual. It's very spiritual. The whole process is very spiritual. But Mark's got such an advantage over most of us being in a great wine growing or grape and wine region of the world, really. uh, That plus, you know, the other thing for Mark, this is off of our top ten things, but just talk to people. Just just talk to other winemakers. See if there's any clubs around. See who's the good brokers. See who's the good farmers that you could go out and say, hey, uh, you know, Debbie. You know what? I know you make these grow these great grapes consistently, and they go mostly to the commercial guys. But man, I'd love to buy a thousand pounds, or or get in a club that say, hey, we'll buy you know three, four, five thousand pounds from you, or 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 whatever it is, whatever the number is, and um, get in touch with them ahead of time. And man, that would be, and even offer to go out and say, hey, we'll pick half of this row. You know, how fun would that be? Well, we tried to do that in Italy. That was one of my big disappointments. Uh, We could have been picking Nebbiolo, uh, but it rained that day. Uh, Well, I thought we were going to pick grapes, and we picked Nebbiolo. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was raining. She wasn't aware of that anyway. Uh, Okay. (laughs) But a boom. Okay, so that was your number one tip. It's all about tasting the grapes. Tasting the grapes. My number one tip, and I put these sort of in the uh, chronological order. Oh, numbers guy. Go ahead. And so I'm actually going to back up a little bit before the grapes. Oh, God. Go ahead. And this is about, uh, you know, preparation and equipment. Ah, good my one. good one. My number one, or I should say first tip, because these aren't in, in yeah. they're in chronological, not priority. But my my first tip is that you definitely want to spend. And I went and looked this up on the countrywines.com website. You absolutely, which is our local. Uh, that's our local. Right, you can also go to uh, uh, morewinemaking.com. By the way, I, I I thought I remembered a website winewinewine.com, but you know what? That's not a domain. No, that was that was my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I was going to say, you know, big tip. There's a domain out there you could buy. Set oh, up a that's business. that's dominating. Uh, that's no domain. That's dominating. Okay, well, back to countrywines.com. So I'm going to advise that you spend $23.97 plus oh. tax and shipping, okay? Oh, I'll bet I know what it is, but go ahead. Uh, Well, it's not even one thing. It is three oh, things. Oh, that's fabulous. For $23.97. Number one, you have to buy an auto siphon, absolutely critical piece of equipment for $10.99. It allows you, whether you've got barrels or carboys, to start pumping that wine out for whatever easily. the yeah. purpose is. Number two, Agreed. The wine thief. 
Ah. The wine thief is absolutely critical to quality control. I do quality control two, three, four times a day. You can't, Which is why I get three bottles. You can't do it without the wine thief for eight ninety nine. And um, maybe the best value going, the three dollar ninety nine cent bottle filler. You stick this on the end of a hose that's attached to your auto siphon. You you pop it down into a bottle. It drains. You lift it up. It stops draining. It's just a little stop flow valve. Right. But, and yeah. I mean, you can spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on your barrels and your crusher destemmer and your wine pumps, but for $23.97, you must own an auto siphon, a wine thief, and a bottle filler. Those are great. And and here's one I didn't put on my list, but I'll throw this in for for another $3. So we'll make it $26 and something. You're going over the top here. Busting the budget. And we talked about this our last show. The the type of um, bung plug for a carboy, not the, the sort of orange-colored caps that go around the mouth of the bottle, but the more cork, the, the synthetic cork type that go inside the bottle because we had a problem with that. And that's a little less obvious, but one that cost us five gallons of wine, oh, which our you first are, loss oh, of oh, wine. Oh, oh, in, in years and years, you oh. are absolutely right. So... Minimize the surface area where that bung joins your carboy. Not the outside kind, but the inside. Not the orange ones, but the white ones. Right, to go in like a cork, yeah. Uh, But I I like it. That's good. On the right track. In a year and a half, first time I agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Hawk says it's uh, www.morewinemaking.com. That is is a website where you can buy some of the stuff. I actually checked the prices on this at uh, countrywines.com. There's a lot of great sites out there. Uh, shop on the Internet. I have had nothing but good luck uh, with these folks. All right. Do you want to share your second unobvious winemaking tip there, passionate one, or are you totally engrossed in the chat? I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking this, this wonderful technology here at TalkShoe. Um, Dave is actually projecting his screen on a board for us, so I can actually now read some you of can. the comments. Yeah. Oh, I need my glasses, but I'm reading some of them. And By the I, way, those are the most interesting glasses I've ever seen. Oh, look at what they just did. And, and so explain to the folks, yeah, there's the sound effects that go with it. They're called clickets. Clickets. Yes. And why the heck are they clicking it? Well, let me take my headphones off so I can show you. All right. You, they're, just, they're just reading glasses. These are 1.25 because okay. I'm farsighted, so I need yep. them for reading. And if you want to take them off, you just, they have a built-in ah, neck so cord. They, or, well, they, yeah, they go around the back of your head. Right, and, and you can pull them apart right in the middle and then just click them. There's a little magnet in them. Click. There you go, and they're back together to glass. So it would be it's pretty much thing. impossible to break those. I mean, or very oh, I'll figure hard. out a way, but so far it's okay. <laughs> very, very nice. No, it's 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 funny to see. I mean, I've never seen glasses that sort of break apart like that. So it's almost a laugh out loud experience. In very fact, I think cool. it was the first time you pulled. Oh, if, I get comments on planes. I get uh, all over the place. But if you if you're interested in them, if you just need reading glasses, by the way, little tip. This isn't one of my less obvious wine making tips, but these are like forty five bucks. Amazon.com, $16. Whoa. Can't beat it. Not bad. By the way, Winemaker2006 chimes in and says that uh, C.J.J. Barry, first steps in winemaking, um, I think that's his um, unobvious tip for the show. 
What 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 was the tip? I missed it. Uh, to read that book, First Steps in Winemaking. Oh oh, that's the tip. A uh, good a book, book written several years ago. It's going to help you out with everything you need to know. When I learn how to read, I'll do that. There you go. All right, my, my Your second tip. Second unobvious. And tip these are in no particular order. These are just how they came to me. Okay. This is less obvious. We've talked about this. Okay. But spend the extra fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty cents and get quality corks. Mmm. Right? I like your thinking. There, that was unobvious. That, that is less obvious, but we, I have seen home-made uh, wine that folks got the 20, 25-cent corks. And, man, I'll tell you what, if you're making decent wine, that you, which I believe we are, that really deserves a good, you know, three, four, five, six year plus, possibly. We don't oh, know yet. Getting real, you're pointing right towards my very last unobvious uh, well, tip there. But I like your thought. But a cheap cork ain't going to uh, make it. It's not going to do it. It ain't going to make it. Okay. So, so in, invest. And, and we've, we've, you've sort of been, you're not the passionate, but you've been more passionate about corks, especially the one we had, I think last show, had the most fabulous cork. Oh, and, amazing cork. And, and you've got to have a quality cork if you're making some pretty good wine that's going to hang in there. We've had some fabulous wine from Alpha King that was 10 years old plus 15 oh, years old. Well, one of his corks was really on the edge when we pulled that sucker out. Yeah, so if you're being, getting a cheap one, you're going to ruin all your efforts if you're, if you're thinking about well, keeping it a few And years. so it does come down to your time frame. If you are the kind of person who's going to bottle all your wine, give it all away in that first year, it's all going to be gone, maybe you can do with Get the 25 cents. Get exactly. cheap cork, right. But uh, if you're going to keep your wine longer, and we'll talk about this because this is going to get to, I think ah. two of my remaining five tips get to this. All right. Um, you you will want the 50, 45 or 50 cents a cork. It yeah, is I mean, a non-trivial cost. It's not a lot of money unless you're making thousands and thousands of bottles illegally in Pennsylvania anyway. So definitely, we I, I, I'm a firm, I, you know, I don't like to spend money where we don't need to, but there is a huge difference in the quality of corks between the 25-cent one and the 45-cent I really one. like your unobvious yeah. tip number two there. All right, number two from number <clears throat> All right, number two, uh, this was, I actually went to a winemaking conference, which was a blast because, first of all, you taste about 600 wines. So, um, of course, it's going to be a good conference. I don't know how I missed that. This was... Um, you must have been this selling me a bill been, of goods. This <laughs> might have been my... Um, greatest revelation and most important of my five, but it is to uh, take your grapes, divide them into two different batches, and use two different yeasts. This is a good one on That's your two different one. batches because the different yeasts expose different things and different flavors and different essences and aromas. And so, I love this tip. It's That's amazing. Tip. You don't think about the effect of yeast, maybe on the on the grapes, but different yeasts will bring out different mouthfeel, different uh, characteristics in, in, the, um, in the wine. Well, some even take maybe even twice as long to complete fermentation the as others. The Ostmanhausen. Yeah, which, <laughs> man was that sucker slow. <laughs> That's why he never got married. But anyway, the, 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 he what, was a very what popular bachelor. What we've learned is that um, even just taking the difference between seven, eight days and, you know, 15, 16, 18 days to complete fermentation changes so much in the nuances and flavors of the wine. But wouldn't you recommend, along with this as a side note, that you can't get just two totally obscure yeasts. They still have to be something that works with the, 
the the uh, varietal the sugar the content sugar. you're working with exactly. and the varietal you're working well, with. Well, you are absolutely right on that. The the there are different yeasts that are more or less tolerant to super sugar, so you got to watch out about your sugar level. If you've got a super high sugar level, you better get a yeast that can tolerate 16 or 17 or 18 percent alcohol. Um, uh, one of the worst sins in making a red wine is not to fully burn the sugar. You don't want any residual sugar right, in a red wine. Right, right. And so you absolutely have to pay attention to those things. And one of the things I've found in the, um, in the, uh, on the websites and the catalogs that sell yeast is they will help you understand which yeasts pair better with which types of grapes, which levels of sugar or alcohol, and uh, which characteristics you might be trying to... No, but, but does that get pretty complicated? I mean, for some folks that are in their first, second don't year making wine... Don't overthink are, this. I don't think it, so. It can, it can be, because I've looked at some of those yeast and, and some of the descriptions, and it's like, oh, my God, what do I finally pick here? You know what I mean? It can get kind of complicated, because there's a lot out there. I suppose, but I, I, this is not a place where I spend a ton of time. But in the end, the basic idea is take Break your grapes, and, yeah. divide in half, get two different yeasts that are applicable, but that are going to expose different flavors and essences and mouthfeels and so on. And by the way, you can also do this with the malolactic bacteria, same kind of idea. Split your batch in half, use two different malolactic, you know, an alpha, a beta, whatever, and um, put them back together. You'll have a more complex product when you're done, and that is just interesting. And so, if you make enough, try oh, to bottle them so separately. so many different proportions. And Blend them. Exactly. They'll bottle them separately. Yeah, do a 75, label it. 25, a 25, 75. A 30, 20. Uh, well, we did a 7, <laughs> 10, 20, and a 40, 40, 20, and so on and so forth. So which, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself to another really I important know, I knew Maybe this, I, I knew this would be one of I yours. I think we're going to be maybe on the same... Well, uh, no, I purposely left it out because it was All right, but my number two tip was use two different yeasts. And by the I way, like do not put the two different yeasts together in the same vat. That's good. Not good. Point. Don't do that. You want to so you so this means necessarily means have to have two enough separate fermentation exactly. vats. Enough grapes you can separate into two different vats and right. use one yeast on each. All right. What's your number 3 tip in your top 5 you know, or and top this, 10? This just came to me as 3, but it it should probably be my my priority above and beyond all of the other. So this Less is obvious. your most important yes. and obvious yes. tip. Yes. Eat while you work. Ooh, and eat what are we you eating? Eat, bring cheese, bring pears, bring <sighs> grapes, bring, bring crackers, bring bread, this bring butter, bring olive oil, especially be. while you're pressing because that is, that's pretty labor-intensive. Pressing is way more work than, than crushing to stemming. Uh, the crushing to stemming takes, with a, with a good crusher to stemmer, you can crush a ton of grapes in, in, a, in an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. Pressing is a lot more work, and eat while you're doing it. It just makes that just one of the uh, – however good or bad or mediocre your wine turns out, that process, and enjoy great – bring and invite friends. That should be part of this, number three. Invite friends and eat and enjoy that process because it is fabulous. I think, actually, you might have hit on the most important, unobvious tip that we're going to share here out of the top ten – Remember the night that Kimberly and Greg came over? Oh, it was she just... brought the bruschetta, oh. and she had this wonderful dip that was made of uh, artichokes and all these different cheeses, including the brie with the honeycomb. Oh, man. That you brought. That yeah, well, was that, was, that, was a night that it wasn't that fun. 
and and you're also tasting wine. I mean, your wine may be a week or two weeks old at this point, right? But you're you're sipping some of it along with food, and it is that so is you're just magic. And you're bonding with the sun That's, and the moon and the wind and the that rain. That is and, just magical. And and if I can't, I couldn't give a more important, less obvious tip than that. I and really, really like your number three oh, tip. I we're really liking do. each other too much tonight. <laughs> well, it's been a bonding experience. By the way, uh, David has chimed in. David, the author of our um, Idiom oh, Alert David's theme. David's given us so much. Yes, uh, many, many things. And he, he chimes in with respect to the Rutherford wine. And he says, the Rutherford bench. Okay, he didn't explain what a bench is, but I think that has to do with is the be- it's a it's a um, geologic formation. Does it relate to glaciers where they sort of push the soil to and then it goes up? Uh, uh, that's right. Um, take a nap. But, not yeah. really sure. But he says the Rutherford bench is within the Napa Valley. It has deep alluvial soils that drain well and produce remarkable Cabernet Sauvignon grapes. So mm, that's so where there the Rutherford go. comes from. I think we're wow. talking about a specific geological formation there in the Napa Valley, and we're going to have to look up uh, alluvial. <laughs> I don't know that I really understand the uh, meaning of alluvial, but uh, I, I hope I've pronounced it at least close to the way it's supposed to be pronounced. All right, shall we go on to... Uh, Your number three. We've covered five. So, uh, so far, three for you, two for me. Here's my number three. And uh, we talked extensively about this, and I'm not sure you are going to agree with this one, <clears throat> in part maybe because the... Uh, the wine is being made in my basement. By the way, uh, back in my category of obvious tips, um, when making wine with friends, you know, combining with somebody, you do want to think about, uh, do I want it to be in his basement, not mine, because then he's got the mess. He's going to do a bit more work. He's going to be the one who has to make sure it gets racked and clean up and preserve the barrels and blah, blah, blah. Or... Do I want it to be in my basement? Because then I can get down there with a wine thief and do the quality control four or five times a day. And, you know, <laughs> we each need to make our own calculus on that. So, uh, but I put that into the obvious category. My number third, number three, unobvious tip. And I'm really interested to see what you say on this one. Don't use oak barrels. Buy sawdust instead. Tough one. Tough one. <laughs> that was my forehead hitting the microphone. All right. Oh, my gosh. How can you go down and hug a it's, polyurethane or some glass? Some it's gla- glass. It's silicon. Stainless steel. You material. have to hug an oak barrel and impart the love into the wine. You cannot do that in a man-made Material. All right. I'm let, sorry. let me explain the problem with just, oak barrels here. Oh, okay. Look, gosh, oak I'm barrels having, are expensive. We're talking three, four hundred dollars for a nice oak barrel. Numbers guy talking there. Go ahead. Uh, they're Continue. only good for five, six, seven years. Numbers again. Uh, they, three, four, five hundred dollars, six, seven years. They Numbers. come Go at ahead. very distinct uh, volumes, and so you don't Numbers have any again. flexibility Numbers whatsoever. Again. Right. Uh, if uh, an oak barrel goes bad, it's done. It's screwed. It's a it's a flower pot. What do you mean if it goes point. bad? What do you uh, that mean? That means we screwed once, up somewhere. No. Once you get a bad wine in an oak barrel, you can't go back. If you get any you know vinegar contamination or you know something that goes wrong, 
bop, 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 bop. Um, an oak barrel is a lot of work to clean. You have to, uh, after you're done with the wine, you have to uh, run uh, your your base and your acid through it. And so we're putting citric acid and then we're putting, uh, you know, a, a strong base in it. Um, soda ash. What, what is it? Soda ash yeah. is what we're yeah. using. And yeah. then, then you've got to uh, rinse it with, uh, you know, some kind of potassium metabisulfite. And if you're keeping it dry, which is the only way you'd want to store it when it's not in use, because if you're keeping it wet, then you've got water in it, which can mildew and mold. So you've got to add the, you know, the other stuff and you're soaking the wood, shortening its life. So if you're going to do it dry, you've got to burn the sulfur in it. And by the way, I can buy sawdust for a tenth of the price and none of the hassle and I can get nice French sawdust, and I say sawdust generically. I can get cubes or chips or swirls or what have you, and I can get Hungarian oak, French oak. I can get American oak. I can get medium toast, light toast, no toast, heavy toast. I can mix this and that. And so I think it comes down to, for me, the oak barrel is a hell of a lot of hassle. It's a lot of cost. It's no flexibility, no interest. I'm going to deal with sawdust all the way, all the way, using glass carboys or my stainless steel tanks and uh, save money, have more variation, more variety, more flavor, uh, and a lot less hassle. So maybe my controversial one out of my five, but I say run like heck from the oak barrels. Well, from an intellectual numbers guy (laughs) standpoint... I have to admit, I agree with you. But okay, from, a from, a passionate, guy, but from the passionate, passionate standpoint, yeah. I just can't give up those oak yeah. barrels. I just can't. Okay, maybe we'll meet a medium ground and say uh, we'll do half of our wine in... in actually, we, we did a, a, a show, oh gosh, it's got to be a year ago, about the... It wasn't stainless steel. It was actually some sort of plastic container that you could raise and lower the lid on or whatever and it could be totally variable to the volume to your you know specific needs right without having to deal yeah. with the oxygen and all those issues but i have not i here's here's my only problem with this and i am passionate about barrels and i cannot i can't argue that your fine points about cost and hassle there's no question about it i totally agree with it but i'm not one to jump into the 21st century in winemaking and throw away oak barrels Here's the here's one thing that I will counter that you I know you can't answer this question. I'm listening. Is our wine as good from Carboys with oak sawdust oh. or chips oh. as our yeah, wine from our oak barrels? Stuck a knife. Can you answer that question? Can you? All right. So we do. We have not done enough um, fine research, or you know. Uh, you know, categorizing of wines and bottling to know that answer, and 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 that ultimately <laughs> has to be the has to be the question we ask ourselves before we go to sleep at night. All right, I'm going to answer for sure, but oh, I do so have passionate. to refer to a couple of chats here. Uh, Jerry chimes in at this point. He says, uh, "No passion from the numbers guy. Long live Todd." <laughs> We owe Jerry some wine and a t-shirt. Merlin has come to my defense, and he says, passion 
Passion for numbers is still passion. (laughs) (laughs) Only in numbers shall we find truth. (laughs) And I'm a math major for undergraduate. Man, you guys are brilliant. That's brilliant. Brilliant. But you made my night with those comments. To answer the the question, actually, you do have a point, and I must say, I was a little conflicted in (laughs) taking such a strong stand against the barrels. I like your kahunas taking. Thank you, but but just to acknowledge, since we're into full disclosure and education here, the issue with um, the idea of glass carboys or stainless steel containers or plastic collapsible thingies uh, yeah. for all their benefits and throwing the sawdust in there, there, there may is be the an issue. Is the wine good? Well, we don't there know. may be an issue with the effects of what you would call micro-oxygenation or other things related to the, the, the unknown fact that of the barrel. Oak barrel, right? Right, right. And so I can't say for sure. Um, uh, the thing I would worry about the most uh, is that loss of ability to micro-oxygenate and, you know, that, that very slow, um, you know, combining of oxygen molecules at a low rate with the wine and making longer molecules from all the wonderful things that are, you know, that, it's really hard to say. And I think that would be what each of us has to assess as we do our you know, calculation on this particular dimension. No, that might be what you have to assess. I'll tell you, ask, ask something <laughs> here right now. Oak barrels, baby, the only way to go. But here's the thing. Did we ever lose any wine in an oak barrel? No. Nay, I say, only a carboy with a bad freaking cap. Uh, no, 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 no. Although this may be another uh, supporting your point, but you get this evaporation out of the oak barrels. They go down by, you know, a gallon over the course of a, a quarter. But and that's, that's not never just been the wine a problem, thief. though. We've never, but we've not lost wine as a result of that. We, we obviously have, have not. To, we obviously have to top no, off and cap and it. And, in fact, the concentration of the wine may be making a better wine. Although, you know, there are certainly people who have come to bad ends with oak barrels, too, not just our little screw-up with that yeah. one carboy. Yeah. So, no, I'm sure, I'm sure. But, but I, I have to say this. Let me throw this up. I think there there is a magic and a mysticism to oak barrels that we don't even technologically understand that has been done for centuries that I'm not willing to totally buy into your high-tech collapsible containers and throwing sawdust in to make quality wine. All right. Enough so, said. Enough said. I'm going to I'm going to let you have the last word on that one, passionate <laughs> oh, one. Oh boy, that's Just wonderful. Because I actually have a, a you know, a little bit of, you know, Pat, you have a little passion? <laughs> there's some left brain stuff going on there. What can good, I say? Good. What is your fourth Number four. of your top 5 non-obvious top 10 tips? Less obvious, but through experience, if you're making more than 100 bottles of wine a year, buy bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Do not waste time cleaning labels and old yeah. bottles. Buy the freaking bottles. Baby. I would give you this as the number one most important unobvious tip. Yes. But but to anyone who's been there, it becomes so oh. freaking obvious. Oh. <laughs> Well said. <laughs> now, if if 
the winemakers still used, you know, the glue oh. that dissolved in water. It wouldn't yeah, be that wouldn't a, be an issue. Uh, would yeah, not if they be an did, issue. But God bless some of the French who still glues, do. They oh. totally suck. You cannot get them off. I'm, that with you, is, I'm with you on that one. That's, that's, that becomes painfully obvious if you make more than 100 bottles a year. <laughs> oh, you are so that's right. A, that one's quick and to the point. Quick and to the point. Okay, on to my top uh, number four on my top five. Um, we, we, we ferment our wines, even if we split the batch and use different uh, yeasts, we generally ferment our wines as single varietals. Right. In other words, you're not mixing a Merlot with a Cabernet at the point of the grapes and then fermenting. So right. we have 100% Cabernet, 100% Merlot. Important. The most, yes. the most fun thing that we have found about winemaking is to host a party at one's house when the wine is ready but not yet bottled. and Ready to bottle. Ready to bottle. Okay. Right? So it's, it's ready, it's wine, it's been in oak for a year, year and a half, whatever. And we we host blending parties, mm, and these are great the tip. most fun things that we have done, and in fact result in the most delightful wines. And so we'll bring a bottle, uh, a magnum, mind you, of Cabernet, and a magnum of Merlot, and a magnum of uh, Syrah, and a magnum of Zinfandel, and it might not even be just the 2007 in each of those. It might be we, we didn't do Merlot yeah. since 05, so we got the 05 Merlot with the 06 Syrah with the 07 Cab, and then we start mixing and let people each mix or blend their own choice. And so I remember there was a, 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 a lot of enthusiasm around the 721, seven parts of oh, yes. Cabernet, the two parts of Merlot, one part of Syrah. And in fact, one part of, of uh, Zinfandel worked well in that 721 blend as well. You can have more fun with friends blending, and then everyone, without having to go through the same you know, pain soup to nuts uh, process as you, gets to participate in producing the end product. And so my simple advice for my fourth most important tip here is blend at a party and then bottle based on people's favorite suggestions or combinations. That's a, gr- that's a great tip. And I, I, my hat's off to you on well, that. And I, that's I like also, eating. I think that went up with eating I think while those you work. Those might really be the two go well together. Yes. And I, I also have to say that um, in the end, the best wines are not the ones that are sort of, I'll call it the American style, that's 100% Cabernet or 100% Syrah. Or, or 95, right, right. Exactly. They're the ones, uh, you know, this is where, I got to give one small tip of the hat to the French. They came up with the idea. I know. I, it's, don't cross your eyes like that. Don't break the glasses apart. <laughs> you know, the French came up uh, with this a long time ago. The best blended. wines really are blended. Yes. And uh, a good Bordeaux has six things Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, et cetera, et cetera. And so blend, 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 involve your friends, and away you go. That's a great tip. That right. is a great tip. So we're, we're because we, we have found through tasting and through our friends that our best wines have been blends that we possibly would have intellectually never thought of. I mean, it just sort of happens sometimes, and then we'll then we'll go back to our cellar and blend to those ratios and bottle. I mean, and and for real, that's that's a great tip. We have, and and we've actually had. Uh, some great successes, and uh, probably our greatest success was just that little accident we had uh, last year where we blended this, you know, we took all our party notes, we blended this phenomenal Cabernet, a phenomenal Syrah, and 
in the end, we had some leftover stuff, and we dumped it all together. And that was our gold medal winner. I know. It's incredible. Go figure. But I think blending just does so many interesting things to wine. And it's, it's along the same lines of, you know, split your batch and use two different yeasts. It creates more complexity and more flavors. Yeah. Away you go. Well, and, and for folks that aren't making, you know, we, we make roughly 150 gallons a year, which is a significant amount. But if you're into lower volumes, if you're only making, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 gallons a year, um, uh, here's my and, – and so you maybe don't have the option of having different varietals in a given year, and you're going to make Cab this year and Syrah next year or Zin three years ago. Try to save a gallon or whatever number fits for you from each vintage so that you have the opportunity the following year, if you get a better grape of a different varietal, to start having this fun of blending because it really does make superior wines, and it's a lot of fun – even at a low volume, you can do it. I mean, you've got to be into the 5 or 10-gallon range to be able to do it at least, but you can, and just save some. Don't bottle it. Yeah, now, frankly, if you have a, 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 a magnum from the previous year, yeah, you, you could even that use that to blend. And, right, and we do absolutely. that. We'll go grab a few magnums from right. you know, one or two years That's past a good and point. blend them into a barrel, and away you go. Yeah, yeah good point. Yeah, so that, that's fun. By the way, David uh, chimes in with a little update here. Alluvial soil is a deposit of clay, silt, sand, and gravel left by flowing streams in a river, valley, or delta. So, um, uh, you know, wow. I remember, I remember uh, being in Bordeaux. I don't, I don't know what every other word meant there, but wow. Uh, Bordeaux a few years ago, and it looks like those vines are going into... The best way to describe the soil is it looks like oyster shells. I mean, it was it looked Incredibly like such horrible, horrible, ridiculous, horrible soil. And so I can see where this idea of sand and gravel and silt and clay, which is alluvial, and uh, this is getting back to the Rutherford. It is shelf that Rutherford shelf and the alluvial soils. Man, there's some great trivial stuff I never knew. There, you know what? That's the fun thing about wine. There is so much to. Okay, so I'm I'm loving this show because I've not heard your top five. Uh, you know, you know non-obvious tip. This is really true. We did not compare notes. We did not. This we, show. we agreed the, to the theme, but and we they did have, not talk at all. They have complemented each other each very other. nicely. Exactly. Until this one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's hear your fifth tip. This is critical. Okay, because I think my last tip is critical. It's probably the same tip. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Do a better background check on your one. I failed to do this five years ago. <laughs> you just jumped into bed with the first guy coming along with what the fresh What was I thinking? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that might be the most important of the tips <laughs> of the evening. If you're going to have a partner do a FBI, get whoever oh. you need involved. <laughs> IRS with those yeah. capital gains. If your if your partner has an, a particular affinity for the wine thief, you know, go running the other direction. Exactly. Oh man. Oh, that's okay, good. that's uh, that's a good one. My last one is um, a little more serious, but incredibly hard. It's probably the most difficult of the ten, and so ah. it is this. Try to save most of your wine for four 
years or more. Assuming you're using really good quality grapes and corks and you know good process. Yeah, there's a lot of ifs to get to okay. that. So I, I'm not going to argue with that, but there's a lot of ifs. With the grapes, uh, here's why I say it. With the grapes that we've been using and the, the quality of the process we've been using and the oak and the equipment and the corks and the cleanliness of the bottles, I am finding that the wine that is you know, now three or four or five years old, is phenomenal. It just gets better and better. I mean, amazingly good. And so why, if you put this much effort and love and passion and thrill and excitement and camaraderie into the bottle, would you want to consume it well before its time? And now that we have bottles, I mean, we've got bottles in in the basement that are a year old, Two years old, three years old, four years old, five years old. Yeah, you know, you can cool. taste it's, them. Yeah, it is cool. And I, I, I have it is amazing how much better the wine gets over time. I mean, it's it's delightful when it's two weeks, and then it goes way downhill at about four months, and then it starts its recovery. And you know, frankly, at a year or year and a half, it is tolerable. But at let it go another couple of years. Exactly. It, it Try is to stretch it to four years. Even yeah. if you have to go out and buy stuff at the wine store, waiting for years to mature. Waiting for yeah. years to mature. Give it time. And if you just can't do it, but I really think you should. But if you just can't do it, the one little tip or trick we found is a full decanting, maybe twelve hours before you drink. Take your wine. And if you've got nothing else other than another empty wine bottle, pour it into that other empty wine bottle 12 hours ahead of time. And at least you've got a chance to sort of make it taste like it's a little bit older, a little more aged if you give it 12 hours with some oxygen mixed in there. Uh, And, I mean, that's okay if you can't wait. But if you can wait, wait for your four years. It does get better, yeah. If If you've done all your steps up to that point, and starting with what we started with with our uh, you know top five less obvious tips, if you've sort of followed these less obvious things, wait. I, I think that's a great, what a wonderful one to end. There you go. Tips on. Well, I said they were in chronological order, but I loved your five. I loved your five too, and they weren't. They were all. You know what's so funny is they were all different. They were. I thought we were going to have some of the, the same. same thing. I we really did, and not incredible. one overlap. So there you go. Well. There's the Those are some thrill and fun of winemaking. Numbers making. and this thrills is... and, and passion of winemaking. Now, we do owe some folks some wine, and we have been very, very bad about we getting We have it been out bad about getting wine out. Okay, and so the, the warm season is coming. We're going to have to do this like now. Right. Um, so if we owe you wine, if we've promised you wine, um, you know, Please There's email some folks us. we can remember, but some right. we know we promised and we forgot. Please email us, and we're going to Tim. include what with our wine. Mr. Oh yes, absolutely. No, we got a little little present here, but let me just say, I know we owe David some wine. So oh, we well, owe David. David, we're going to mail you bottles, some yeah. wine. Uh, Tim Bakta, we owe some wine. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't have my little pronunciator here. But Tim, we owe you some wine. So we got that. We got uh, both of your ad, David and Tim, we've got your addresses. Uh, Bike and Fool <laughs> the wine forms here. You know what? Uh, Wait, what what's, what's he saying? He's saying the wine forms here, baby. <laughs> uh, 
email us at seller dwellers, plural, seller dwellers at talkshoe.com if we have promised you wine. Now, we reserve the right to uh, try Drink to your wine. If we didn't send it to you. <laughs> try to remember if we've ever promised you wine. So we don't say we're just going to send wine to anybody. But we also have a couple of nice, uh, really nice T-shirts here. Oh, these are nice. These I have nice, to admit. Uh, well, I, I wore mine in tonight, uh, sort of a Carolina blue. No offense to the Duke fans, but uh, Carolina blue talk shoe chime they in are, They are sweet. We've got some uh, medium, some large, some extra large. Uh, what should we do as a little contest to give these away? What do you think? Well, oh, I've got it. Send us an unobvious winemaking tip that we didn't mention. Ah. And if we deem it worthy, not only will we read it on the next show as a follow-up, but we will send you a T-shirt. Beautiful. So any of you winemakers out there, tell us your own best unobvious winemaking tip, and you'll get a T-shirt. And we and are being recorded, so we, we have to eventually live up to all these promises. Yeah, but we exactly. will in the next few weeks, for sure. All right. Okay, how about this for something sort of new? We, we're already an hour and 15 minutes into a show, but can we unmute folks and just give a little open craziness? A little open let, mic time. Yeah, open mic time and give comments on the unobvious tips and if there's any just quick ones that folks have that we didn't hit that they could think of within the next 30 seconds. All right. Well, yakking on an hour, we did lose some of our <laughs> callers, but uh, let's welcome uh, Jerry and uh, Mark uh, to the show. I'll just unmute them for a minute. Uh, hey, Jerry, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys? Yeah, well, very good, man. We're having some fun here. Good show. Good. Thank you very much. Uh, you have uh, ordered some Chilean grapes uh, ah, coming in in uh, less than 30 days. Yep. Excited? Looking forward to it. What'd you order? Um, similar to what you guys ordered, I ordered uh, Cabernet. Hold on a minute. I'm changing fonts here. Are you still there? Yeah, we, we are. Cabernet, Malbec, and Carmenere. Oh, boy, that should be great. Oh, man. Chile's making some fabulous world-class wines, I think. And still one of the places to find some real bargains, too. Yeah, it should be interesting. Oh, good deal. Now, Jerry, were you telling me we could buy, like, a plot of land down there that has some uh, vines on it? I think it was Argentina, actually. I read an article recently where, uh, yeah, they're they're building these, they're de- they're putting developments in uh, intentionally to sell to the uh, Americans or or I guess foreigners that want to buy a small micro vineyard is what they're calling them. Wow, like, like what what does that mean? One acre, five acres? What's that mean? I think there are about five acres, and there's they're designed with room for. Um, for you to build a home if you choose. Oh, would that be cool? That Holy would be really cool. Wow. And, and, and what kind of money? Did you, did you see numbers at all? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it was less than $100,000. Oh, my gosh. And then Wait, for five acres? That does not include the planting fees or the yearly maintenance fees to take care of the grapes. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, it was pretty reasonable. That's just for the plot of land. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so there's no grapes there. So they're developing it. So they're putting the vines on there. Right. So that by the time you get down there, you've got you'll have you'll have vines started anyway. Yeah. Specify what type you want and. Yeah. So you're looking at what, Dave? Three, five years before you're going to start having grapes to make wine. 
Minimal. Yeah, typically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, I, I remember about uh, remember the the whole Stag's Leap thing in in uh, right, 1976. Right. 76, right. And and their vines were only five years old, which was part of the shocker at that six time. Six or four, 76. I think you're right. Well, yeah, I think it was 76. 76 yeah. Because well, we just no no they were, we just hit the 25th anniversary of this, so it would have been 73. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to go look. I that thought up. it was 70. It's another inaccuracy of this show. Can't count them with a calculator. Nope. Hey, we have but that's obvious, interesting. Uh, that's very cool. Uh-oh, okay. Lay it on us, man. Well, wait, wait. Before you go there, Jerry, I just want to make a little offer, and um, I must say Tog has not authorized me to make this, but if you were to buy us a little plot of five acres down there, we would send you both a T-shirt and two bottles <laughs> of our wine. <laughs> And copies of our funniest shows. Did I go? Did I go too far there with the offer? Well, you're pushing it with the two sheet, two t-shirts. But uh, oh yeah. man! Oh my gosh! All right, so uh, Mr. Jerry, what what is your uh, what is your top unobvious tip for for a t-shirt and some wine? Well, actually, it's um, my wife. She's listening here. She she chimed in. Okay, that's good. She suggested that if you're getting into home winemaking, you should make sure you get your wife involved. That that might be the ooh, we might have missed the biggest yeah, tip I of the night. Yeah, I think we night. missed a major ooh, tip here. We stand corrected. There's a reason, so that she can run up and down the stairs to help you get the things out of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> right, the stainless steel. Oh man, there's a oh, lot. Oh, that's beautiful. Stainless steel. Um, you know, pans. We use a lot of those. We yeah. use the measuring cups. We use the paper towels, teaspoons, oh, yeah. flashlight. Yeah. Uh, oh. Get the water boiling for the corks. You know? Exactly. Oh, oh that's, boy. that's a great tip. That is a great tip. <laughs> Only a, tr- a true winemaker. That's a true. That's that. We might have missed. Yeah, the Jerry. Tip of I the think night. you you and your wife have earned well, a you uh, definitely earned a couple a t- of t-shirts and a couple of bottles of wine here. Good job. Hey, and and good luck with. Um, the, the Chilean. The Chilean grapes. Now, are these going to be, given that they're just pressed, or I'm sorry, just harvested uh, in the next weeks or month, I guess, right? I mean, April by May is the end of their season, right? Six months off. Yep. Um, is it going to come frozen, or how, how do we know? They're telling us uh, that they're they're picked seven days before they arrive. So they're going to be picked, put into a refrigerated um, container mm. and so you know, got you've got a minimum of a week so look out might you might start you we you might notice some fermentation starting i mean you know i i don't know i mean if you think about you could. if you go to the store today your favorite grocery store you know walmart giant eagle whatever your safeway is uh, and and buy strawberries blueberries blackberries raspberries those aren't growing in California at this point. I mean, they're no, coming right. pretty much from South America. Right, right. And we've got a very efficient system for moving around produce. Yeah, but that's big commercial movement and timing because of the dollars involved with that. Home winemaking. Louis, what's that cart over there? Oh, <laughs> shit, that's Jerry's grapes. <laughs> Man, it smells horrible. Get it to that guy, will you? <laughs> sorry about that, Jerry. <laughs> so sorry, Jerry. Mm. You guys have some on that same palate, so we better. <laughs> <laughs> I know we do. <laughs> Bummer, oh, man. Yeah, Well, let, let me go to uh, Mark for a second. Mark, uh, you said you've been in winemaking for uh, three years now. 
Um, do you have any unobvious tips for us uh, based on your three years of experience? Uh, let's see. I think the most obvious, unobvious tip is listen to seller, seller dwellers and find out a bunch of great tasting new wines. I love this, brother. Love it. So are are you tasting um are you tasting the B V or you're angling for a bottle of whatever we've been producing? <laughs> actually, both. <laughs> uh, both. Okay. Oh good. I actually couldn't find the two thousand five brother for it, but I got a two thousand four. Oh, that's such a bummer, you know. Oh, you if, gotta get you, you gotta get fresher. If you, if you lived in California you could get the good new stuff or in uh, in Pennsylvania, but uh, no, you're you're in uh the West Coast, they never get the new stuff out there. Eh, we're a little jealous. What can we say? All right, so uh, we've got to ask, uh, uh, just go to the chat here, passionate one. We've got a few sure. other, uh, I see uh, Tavi Dog has chimed in here. Um, he get says, your, get your get wife, your wife involved. involved. Yep. That, boy, how did we miss that one, Dave? Jeez. Yeah, no, I think uh, this has been the... Uh, Apparently unobvious to us, but obvious <laughs> to everybody else. All right. Well, thank you, uh, both Jerry and Tavi Dog, on no that one. No one forward any of this to our wives. Yes, exactly. Uh, hopefully they won't listen to this Jeez. show. Um, Can I start over on my tips? <laughs> yes, please do. I think we're in, we'll, we'll have to edit this show. <laughs> Editor's note. <laughs> this show has been changed. Tog and Dave <laughs> primarily recommend involving your wife. Right. Okay, let's start the show. Exactly. Those are the, uh, the uh, one through ten of our obvious tips. So, uh, oh my! Sterilization is an unobvious winemaking tip, says Merlin. Um, he feels robbed. Uh, you know what? That's uh, maybe a lot of people don't get. You know, uh, mm, interesting point. It's, it's don't obvious get. to us, but maybe we yeah, because that. we're yeah, you know engineers point. and dentists and doctors and all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, for yeah. us, it was so fundamental that, and I'm not sure sterilization is the right word, but you know, cleanliness. Um, you using lo- uh, copious amounts of potassium metabisulfite and cleaning things really well and spraying them down and yeah we're really into that yeah and and and, so, and, and our mentors the couple of uh, great Italian folks uh, friends that uh, and patients of mine that um, actually got us really initiated to this uh, great great home wine making process they really emphasized that. From day one, and so we maybe took that as more for granted than maybe a lot of home winemakers, especially if you're doing the five, ten, twenty gallon kind of gig. Um, you've got to keep that area as um, uh, not sterile. I mean, no one works in a sterile environment, but um, as as free from uh, you know f- free floating bacteria and vir- viruses and things and yeast that are around all the time. Uh, we maybe took that for granted, but and that so that's a that's actually a very good point that um, that that's obvious to folks that have done this for a while, but maybe less obvious for folks that are getting into it and in, you know lower volumes. But boy, keep stuff clean. That's a good point. I like that. I like that's it. Good. I like it too. All right, I think it's time to go to the wine news, which oh, brings gosh, us to are, the. Are we still recording a live show? <laughs> I think we are. Although it's into the wee hours. A fun. All right, one show. one wine news and. Um, whoa, yeah. that's loud. Let's take that down a little bit. 
This just in. Go ahead, Dave. Thank you. You are so so great. Uh, this one is a um, – well, I can only read the headline. I'm not going to go further because this is a family-rated show, but uh, it says French wine mogul tipples in Japan. Now, I don't, I don't know what I, tippling in Japan means. Well, I don't think we can get into it on this show. Okay, so, yeah, nope we're going to let that one go. Second item. That <laughs> one comes from Topics.net. Um, this one – uh, titled, uh, Wine Goes Bad Surprisingly Often. Almost mm. didn't make the show because it was they weren't from, using screw caps? Uh, well, no, wait, wait. The subtitle is, Corks or Screw Caps oh. Each Have Problems That Affect the ah. Bottle. Uh, right there, right there. I not believe lying. it. I don't Swear believe it. Swear to gosh. All right. But uh, almost didn't make the show because it comes from the Baltimore Sun, and apparently the BaltimoreSun.com website goes bad surprisingly often, too. <laughs> They're still the, using corks on uh, those papers. Apparently, <laughs> that, uh, they had some major corking of the website. Uh, oh, that's funny. I, I ultimately had to wait about five minutes for this article to come up, and, and I printed it right off the website. Instead of when I click the print button, then it tries to switch you to this other mode, yeah, and that oh, wasn't I displayed. Know. And, oh, my gosh, oh. The, the people at Baltimore Sun are having serious problems with their website. But but let's listen to what they have to say. Well, you know what? I'm actually not going to go into what they have to say other than they, they go through the the whole array of things that can go bad with wine. Uh, you know, TCA, corking. He refers to or, or um, shares his experience with a Stag's Leap $150 bottle tasting oh. at the winery. Oh. Yeah, it's corked. And oh. blah, blah. But it um, goes through the whole... Um, a lineage of problems, including um, you know reduction, which relates to drying out of corks, and the uh, uh, what was the uh, Breda Nymina Sina Mina Minamis? I I forget how to pronounce that one, but in the end, uh, this article didn't quote any like real statistics, other than to say that uh, you know wine goes wine bad, go bad more often than you would think. And we've heard numbers that might be five to seven percent. We've heard, we've heard five. Actually, we've heard five to twelve percent. Yeah. So, uh, and that's what's been reported in literature. Not that we didn't make that up. So the takeaway on this one is just that uh, you know wine does go bad, and if you get something in a, a fine restaurant and and you don't think it's good, uh, send it back. And that happened to us tonight. What at our local Bravo? No way. Oh. We got wait, a, we, wait, so you were probably what we were talking about is a delightful restaurant, it, it, it amazingly consistent, right. a really great value for the money, nice atmosphere, right. sort of Roman mm-hmm. ruins kind of thing, and a nice chain around here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and they do a fabulous job and for sort of higher volume. Now, seriously, you had a pressure. bad bottle tonight? Not a bad bottle, but what we we bought a flight of white wines, okay. three different wines, right. so that we could choose. We all tasted it. So we could choose what bottle or bottles we're going to buy with dinner tonight. I like the thought. Pick the, which, your favorite, which, which right? was my brilliant, brother brilliant. Perry's yep. brilliant idea, brilliant and idea. I, I applaud him for that. And the one bo- uh, flight, uh, the one glass was of a um, um, oh, 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 which one was it? There was a, a Sauvignon Blanc. There was a blend, and there was a Chardonnay. No, there was a Chardonnay Pinot Blanc. Gravertstraminer. No, no. White Zinfandel. No. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> oh, my mind's going totally blank. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But it wasn't very good. In fact, it was so. Um, um, 
unlike the wine, oh my gosh, I'll think of it in a minute. I'll think of it 20 minutes after we turn off, go off the air. But anyway, but the thing was... Just pretend like you knew the answer right off the top. We'll We'll edit the thing in after the show. You'll sound like a genius. Yeah, Yeah, it wasn't Leap from Milk. It was a... um, Leap from Milk. Not Leap from Milk. It was... uh, Oh, crap. Anyway, the point is that the wine wasn't good, even in in, in this sort of higher volume. And and they, they said they brought us another glass of something else to to replace this, and we obviously didn't pick this particular bottle, and it was from Australia. Oh, gosh, I'll think of it. But anyway, um, the, the the point was that I think it was corked. Really? And this is, not, this is, not, this is not a super fancy restaurant, and, and yet it was right, and they handled it very well in that... Wait, what did you do when you thought it was corked? We 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 said this wine is not, not it is nowhere as it should close be. to what jeez oh Peter I can't think of it but um, this is not what this wine should be and they didn't bat an eyelash I mean they handled it very well they said we're so sorry we'll bring you another gl-. because it was only a glass because it was part of this flight of three wines so it wasn't like a whole bottle they brought us another glass of something else and then we ordered a bottle of one of the other three that were in the flight but. Um, but they handled it well. And so the point of all this is you can be in a restaurant and don't not and, and this is not a restaurant to be intimidated in by intimidated by in any means, but we've been in restaurants that can be intimidating. Do not be intimidated because if they're going to stand by what they should stand by, what they're charging for for dinner and for wines. Say, mm, could you have the wine sommelier? If they don't have a sommelier, have the chef come out or whoever that you need to. And even say it that way, and I've done that. Whoever you need to have come out whoever and taste you need this to. wine. And, I, and that's exactly how I've said it. Please have them come out and, test, t- and taste this wine. And if I'm wrong, I'll accept this bottle. But if I'm not, we need something else. And you know what? Not once has that been an issue. No, they're not going to push it. No. You know, because uh, first of all, they want to please you. And secondly, right. you're probably right if you're tasting something and, and that's I, just not. And I probably accepted things that I shouldn't have. No, I I'm think, not I think super we've, pernickety. Yeah, no, if, if, you, you if there's any bias here, I think we've all been on that yeah. side of the equation. Uh, and right, who wants good to point. send back an expensive bottle and look like an It'll idiot? Look like a I mean, snob and right. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm so snobby and whatever. But if something really isn't right, just uh, that's a nice way to put it. Just say... You know, I'm not really sure about this. Who who here could come and taste this with us? And I'll be more than happy to give them a glass or whatever they need to taste it to, to make the decision. Now, uh, Tavi Dog uh, chimes in and he says, were you tasting uh, the Brettanomyces? No, I brush my teeth before I go to dinner. <laughs> Actually, he's giving me the pronunciation guide to the thing I couldn't say a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> Although maybe that's what you were tasting in that vino. All right, so that's our wine news for the night. And I think one last thing before we wrap up, we should take uh, maybe one email. One email, email. we've got to call it a night. And gentlemen, introducing my original invention. Cellar dwellers, listener, email. I like that. 
I think that it. was Mr. Marconi introducing us. Yeah. Uh, this comes from David Sherling, who I think is in New York someplace. Ah. And um, his email goes on for quite a while, uh, commenting on our change to Monday nights and you know so on and How so forth. How wonderful Tog is, but continue. Well, no, he does. Uh, he does say some good things about Tog, but oh, I'm skipping kidding. that part. No, I'm skipping <laughs> that part to get down to the essence of the email, <laughs> the important part. And uh, he says, um, and I like this. I, I did mention in previous email that I've been making wine since about 2000, but I failed to mention that I've been avidly homebrewing since 1995. So attention to details about sanitization are pretty much second nature. This is getting that, to maybe that, the unobvious tips that we haven't hit yeah, on. Yeah, good point. Even though we didn't know that was a theme. Um, <clears throat> think the major difference is between potassium and sodium metabisulfite, which is strictly a winemaking sanitizer. I guess the potassium. Um, and while on that topic, in early episodes, you advocated for the use of potassium metabisulfite, which for sure we have, over sodium metabisulfite because sodium is part salt, NaCl. However, however, now hang with David on this one. Potassium has the same valence state as sodium, and in the natural condition, KCI... Uh, or sorry, KCl, I guess that's potassium, potassium chloride. chloride, is one of the last salts to form from a natural brine solution under evaporative conditions, whereas NaCl, sodium chloride, forming before KCl, potassium chloride, and at this point, <clears throat> he realizes that he's losing us, so he puts parenthetically, I'm a geologist by profession and vaguely remember these things from college. Um, as to what this has to do with winemaking and the benefits of potassium versus sodium metabisulfite, I have no idea, but just tossing it out for discussion. <laughs> so what would you like to uh, comment on there in terms of unobvious tips, a uh, passionate one? Well, what was this gentleman's name? David. Uh, David, yes. Well... <laughs> You've totally David. flummoxed us. First of all, you missed the first five minutes of the show. The more you drink, <laughs> right. obviously you need to drink more before you listen to us. Secondly, what effect on the palate does the salt that participates... Precipitation. Thank you. Participation. First, I mean, you could have been going for either word. First, have in regards to the one that precipitates... Second, ah, good question. That is the one that is going to have the effect on the palate, and ultimately, <laughs> as one passionate for wine, that is what matters, my scientific friend. Which uh, made no sense to me. But uh, Merlin chimes in at this point. He says the magic of chemistry is not to be undervalued. <laughs> not that we know what any of this means. But uh, there you go. That's our email for the. Well, I think we've come to the end of another perfectly good hour and All 29 minutes. have wasted yet another a lot of time with us. Evening. But uh, thanks, uh, Mark, uh, Jerry, Hawk, Winemaker2006, uh, Tabby Dog, who I don't think Tabby Dog's a pretty new one. Uh, Scott, who is apparently Tabby um, Dog, get younger than us, and talk to us, yes. And uh, Bike and Fool was here, and uh, Josh was in briefly. Uh, Guest six has hung in there a long time. Must be a uh, 
maybe a winemaking fan. Guest six, let us know who you are and talk to us. No, we're thrilled you could join us. Yeah. And uh, are we going to be back in another two weeks? Two weeks. What are we going to drink in two weeks? What do you What do you think we should drink in two weeks? Just to mm. sort of advertise it here at the end of the show. You know, we have not had a Zin for quite a while. We should do a Zin. And I'm going to recommend this one. Now, it could be a little pricier. Not pricey, but... Seven Deadly Zins. Oh, the Seven Deadly Zins. Yes, which you can get for probably fourteen, fifteen, sixteen bucks cheaper, eighteen, nineteen in Pennsylvania, stuff like that. But uh, if you can't get that one, just get a really good Zin. That is delicious, and that is one that I definitely recommend letting breathe for a good four plus hours. Ah, well, I like your which thought. is unusual for Zin, but that one I'm going to recommend that. Uh, by the way, if there's anyone out there that can get their hands on a Zin called Lava Cap, as oh, in you the thing that, that, that forms I've... on top of a volcano, yeah. wow. that is the most amazing Zin, especially if you get their reserve. Mm. I've not seen it very often, but if you see that one, even if it's eighty dollars, you got to buy it. It is it's so unbelievable. I would spend big bucks on Lava Cap if wow. I spotted it. So. Uh, anyway, we will drink the seven deadly zins unless I really go wild and get lucky and you know pick up that uh, lava cap. But my favorite zin of all time. I love zin in general. Ravenswood is always good. I mean, bring Rosenblum, whatever you can. Whatever you can. Exactly. But seven deadly next. zins isn't outrageous, you know. So so see if you can grab that one. That would be wonderful. All right, everyone. I think we've come to the end of the show. It's uh, time to play our uh, outro theme here, if I can find it. Uh, passionate one. This was this was one of my. Uh, more favorite shows, uh, sharing our sort of 10 unobvious tips. I think that that really is some of the the real value that um, that we have come by through friends or experimentation or accident over the yeah, course no, of our winemaking careers. Well, it's no wonder it's that one was of your a, favorite shows. You agree with me more than often. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, a passionate one, the other guy. See you in two weeks. Cheers. I'm Dave, we'll see you in two weeks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.